You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, it's Leslie and Lindsay, and we are here with my beautiful mother, Lisa. Hi everybody. And my adopted mother, Lisa. Lucky me. (laughs) Lucky me. (laughs) Um, And she's going to kind of share with us her perspective of my experience as well as some other gems. So we'll just let her go because she's amazing and she can just go with it. You guys are rock stars. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast here. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share just a tiny bit of my perspective of really, I guess the better way to say it is me not really having a perspective. I feel like a lot of women my age and maybe the generation behind me, and I just turned 60 this year, so I think that we were in a generation where it was really swept under the rug, so much so that we really didn't have an opportunity to talk about or to even understand that what we were going through was anything not normal. So for me, as a mom watching a daughter who now I realize in hindsight struggled with postpartum so severely, it's really two things. Number one, it breaks my heart that I wasn't able to be there in the way that I really like to show up for you as my daughter. And number two, almost a there's a little bit of an embarrassment I guess would be a word for it but also a little bit of a an understanding that this is such important work because you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. until you know it and now my eyes are opened and now I I hear you guys and I hear other women express their experiences and I realize how important it is that my generation now as the grandmother and watching as now I'm going to have grandchildren having babies and now I'm going to be educated as to what that might look like and be able to possibly intervene or, or shed some light or encourage them to seek help mm-hmm. that I wish I had had that opportunity with your experience. Yeah. Well, what do you mean when you say embarrassment? What does that look like? What does that look like? Um, I think that my generation, we were brought up to, and, and myself in particular, I guess I should only speak for me, that my dad's motto for me was, you can do it. So I grew up with that motto and believed it. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like, hey, I can handle this. And to be honest, I have. And I've rocked that. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that ba- that's bad. And the emotion that comes with feeling like you maybe let somebody down is oftentimes an emotion of embarrassment. So the embarrassment would be that you may feel like, wow, I could have done better and I've maybe let you down. Just for history, for people that don't know us, my mom um, was widowed when I was seven months old. She had four kids under the age of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was 25 years old. 26. 26. I was a whopping 26. Don't lose oh. that last year. It was a big one. Hashtag fact check. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, so we have been very, very close. We are best friends, have been. My mom knows all things about me. Um, we're very close. So for, for me to not open up to her um, about my postpartum was a huge deal. So 
I, um, yeah. And for you to not even pick up on it, I think is even bigger. More of an aha. Yeah. Because I think that just goes to show how easily this can slide through. And I would say I didn't really even recognize I had it for like nine months, maybe longer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it, for neither of us to be on that same wavelength yeah. was so bizarre. I'm not sure that would have been the case um, had you not been living out of the country at the time. But yeah. even with that, we still saw each other at least once a month. Mm -hmm. And then you moved back to the States right when your baby was a couple months old. And so most of the the real depression was with you close to me with you here where we should have been yeah. able to see that. So the big aha to me would probably be that, you know, as much as we spoke to each other, saw each other, and as close as Leslie and I are, and anybody who knows us knows that what she just said about us is really an understatement mm -hmm. because we know each other inside and out. And so the aha is that we missed it. I missed it. Yeah. We didn't understand that that was what was going on. And nor did I understand anything about how serious it can be. So I think the message that I hope everybody gets out there, and especially the moms and grandmas of the young girls that are having babies right now, is that everyone's at risk. And not just the moms, but the dads. And, you know, I understand that this is something that goes across a lot of different barriers and that we need to almost be on the lookout now, not just like, oh, whoops, I missed that, and oh, wow, that happened to you, and be more like, wow, what can I do to watch for this, and what does this look like, and what are the symptoms, and be proactive. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially as an outsider, and I think, for me, at least that's some of what worked for me, was Shelly kind of understood yeah. what it was, and she, you know, whether she knew it or not, she kind of showed up in a silent way of just, being there you know mm -hmm. what I mean absolutely it was just like we had this agreement that she knew that I knew that she knew that I had it does that without her really even saying anything yeah. she just did and I yeah. think it was hindsight when you realized oh wow Shelly showed up for me yeah, yeah. I didn't right? even realize that's what she was right. doing yeah I had right. no idea and so I think that's the biggest thing is just like showing up and being conscious of it the biggest thing for me is yeah like I would have never known had I not had postpartum I would I mean, I knew it existed because my sister-in-law had had it, but I didn't know. I mean, you don't know. So had I had more education, even just by listening to podcasts or talking to a friend or whatever, I probably would have been a better support to my friends. It's like you're awakened. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. you have a whole other perspective on things. And every single thing that I look at, I look at different. Yeah. You know? So I think well, if you haven't been through it, at least it's good to you know educate yourself so that you know what to look for. In your neighbor, your friend, your sister, your whoever. The woman the in stranger. line at the grocery store, right? Yeah. I love I love thinking about how often somebody pays for something for somebody behind them, even at the drive up. Mm -hmm. um, Gary and I were listening to a Wayne Dyer podcast or an old one from his Power of Intention series way back when before he passed away. And there was a powerful statement there that we had to actually stop and discuss for a minute. And here it is. And he was talking about depression and about the release of serotonin and how we have created antidepressants in order to create and manufacture serotonin and that that's why we take uh, antidepressants. And he said that they've done research now that you can show that just watching 
or being participating in an act of kindness raises your serotonin level. And they did studies right after the 9-11 disaster terror um, activity that watching all of the firemen come in from all over the country and watching all the acts of kindness that everybody's level of serotonin was also raised. So not only doing an act of kindness yourself, but watching an act of kindness can raise your own serotonin. So how cool would it be if we would just be aware of how often every day we could maybe lift somebody up and how often, especially in certain communities like where we are here in Utah right now, that we have an opportunity to look almost anywhere you want to look and there's a young woman who most likely is battling some kind of depression. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. even any kind of like maternal mental health. I mean, if you think about postpartum or not, I mean, there's still so much loss and trauma related to becoming a parent. You know, there's infertility, there's miscarriage, there's stillborn. I mean, there's there's so much even just past that part of it that I mean I mean like you going through trauma when you had four kids right and you lost your husband I mean there's so much involvement in becoming a parent and just being aware that we all need each other we need to stop the judgment and the I don't know that's so true you know I want to add to that that you know that doesn't change or go away as you get older and yeah I was 26 when I was widowed and lots and lots of years later, you know, now that that concern goes to your grandchildren and you always have that maternal concern and therefore risk for some kind of depression. So, yeah, it's, I think another thing that I have realized, um, through being more open with women and, you know, just family members is that, sometimes it's hard to ask the questions that you want to know you know sometimes those hard questions are things that you might feel awkward asking but I also feel like that's how people know that you care about them because you care enough to ask the hard questions and that you're not worried about that awkward feeling that you might have for a minute and then they feel safe and they open up more Mm -hmm. and so I feel like we do kind of have mom friends and new moms on our radar all the time now because we just want them to know that we're here for them. And I've put feelers out there and gotten a total like, oh, I'm good. Like, you know, like, and I felt like she was telling the truth, you know, but I feel like I will always ask. I'll mm-hmm. always. What are some ways that you too have learned to ask? And what are those hard questions that you ask? I feel like for me, it's um, not just necessarily asking, but saying, how are you doing? Like, I remember when I was in this stage, this is how I was feeling and kind of sharing how I was feeling to make them feel like maybe they could open up more. Yeah. And I think for me too, at least in like the initial stage, it's kind of like what she's saying. Like, it's just like a roundabout casual questions. Like uh, one of my friends just had a baby. How's the baby sleeping? You know, just like a specific question like that, that sometimes will lead to an open conversation and sometimes it won't. And I think it's just being keen with your own intuition and reading people and Mm -hmm. understanding and knowing, even if you don't know that person, you can tell by their tone or their body language or whatever, kind of where they're trying to go. Um, But especially if it's someone that you know, and that friend I've asked a few times, those kind of same simple questions, but you know, I think it's just, it's just that keeping it simple. And then if it gets to a point where you're like, 
Lindsay, like even Lindsay, when I met her and she, you know, had opened up to me about how she was feeling and I was nervous because I was like, she's going to postpartum and she's not going to believe me because she had a miscarriage and she's going to downplay it and think there's no way I had a miscarriage. I don't have a baby and like all this stuff. And I didn't know her very well. So I was like terrified to bring it up. But at the same time, I was like, this could make a difference for her. And if it doesn't, either way, and how I'm not going to sleep tonight if I don't say it. Yeah. How grateful am I that you did say that? Because I did not see it at all. Honestly, the first time you suggested it, I remember thinking, do you just want me to be part of your little club? Yeah. Like, no, for real. I don't really mm-hmm. have postpartum, Leslie. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I think she's right. <laughs> how does she know? And I don't know, you know, like, yeah. and I'm just so grateful that you had the courage to say something because... Well, and that you even took that, you know what I mean? It's it's a two-part thing. It's a sitting with it and, you know, I don't know. It's a two-part thing. Really. But I've said it a million times. I just, I don't know where I would be without you. I well, really don't. You touched on something there, Lindsay, when you said that, no, not me. I, you just want me to be part of your club. Mm-hmm. That there's a stigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think what you're doing with this podcast and in bringing it forefront is helping to remove that yeah. right mm-hmm. so wouldn't that be awesome yep yes especially just in like the mom community in general on our instagram page we follow so many pages that women share their stories about how they get shamed all day yeah. and the comments and stuff it's like why do we do this to yeah. each other mm-hmm. what the hell yeah be just, nice just stop yeah. right yeah i mean so yeah, I think that's the biggest part is the more that people, there's always going to be naysayers. I don't, I don't care when or where or how, there's always going to be cyber bullies. There's always going to be someone like that. But I think the most important thing is just to, for me, the biggest thing that I learned is to, that it's okay to excuse people from your life. It's okay to excuse people temporarily mm-hmm. or forever, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for your mental health. Right. It's okay to, if there's people in your life, even if they're family that trigger you, it's okay to take a minute. It's okay take to spend your time. When your mental health is in such a stage like that, that might be the only thing you get to focus on besides keeping your child alive, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think for me, the biggest thing is just to give myself permission to surround myself with select few people that I'm so blessed I have because some people don't even have that, but the select few people until I feel like I'm me again. Because initially I was like people pleasing and hanging out with whoever I felt like needed me and self-destructing because I did whatever I was commanded to do because I hated my life. So I think the most important thing, in my opinion, in my experience, is who you surround yourself with while you're processing that. Because if you're around people that are constantly telling you, you're crazy, or are you sure this is really postpartum? Why does it matter what it is? You don't feel like yourself, whatever it is. So to me, it's just a big part is who you surround yourself with. Right. And I think that goes into menopause too. Oh, totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So, you know, here I am 60 thinking, okay, so I feel like I've had some depression for the first time in my life this last year and questioning, what is that? What is that? Why why do I feel like that? Why do I feel almost mean some days? Mm -hmm. That's never been a part of what I felt like I really was. And so it's an aha from that end of the spectrum as well. I didn't even think about that because that's hormonal. Of it course, is. Right? It's hormone shift. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. And then you also mentioned something earlier today, Leslie, that I wanted to touch on too, um, in that this can affect 
dads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, listening to some of the podcasts and how dark and deep it gets for women that they actually feel like the world would be better without them. Mm-hmm. And so many do end up successfully ending their lives because of depression. Um, and to look back at the scenario where I was widowed at six months old, and when you were six months old, through suicide. And wondering now with a question of how much of that kind of depression plays a part there and knowing that if we were just to talk more, you know, I love that my dad always said that that was such a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we just had the way to wait out the five minutes until the miracle mm-hmm. and why not be a part of the miracle, which I guess is what I want to say to you guys again. And you're part of the miracle. You're part of the answer. So again, thank you. Yeah. I want to bring up that in my podcast, when I shared my story, I talked about how um, I started to heal when I went to TP night. Mm -hmm. And Lisa is the facilitator of TP night. She started it. And um, like I mentioned in my story, I went just to support Leslie as she spoke about her postpartum story. And then I got addicted (laughs) to TP night and healing and sharing and being vulnerable, which I had never done before. And that's how I healed. That's how I, you know, started to process what I was really feeling. And I'm just so grateful to Lisa for holding that space and allowing so many women from all different circumstances and walks of life to come and just share whatever they are going through and have a safe space that we can all um, just get it out yeah, and talk about it. And I never even, I mean, it's a, it's a healing circle support group type of thing, but I'd never even considered doing anything like that. And I'm just so grateful that you were there for me. Thank you. Thank you. And I I think along with that too, it's, um, so my mom lives in, in the Mesa, Arizona area, but we are here in Utah. So she started doing those here. So we still do those for those of you that are local, um, reach out to us. We'd love to connect you with one of them around here in the Valley. If you aren't local and, um, or even if you are, and you're interested in starting one of these in your area or getting to know more about them, our dear friends at the happy place, um, podcast, they, um, they have a podcast that goes all into healing circles and teepees. Um, but also my mom does women's retreats and she does them quarterly with each season. So, um, they're incredible. They're life-changing. It's a beautiful place to release the things that don't serve you and create the next step in your life. Um, it has changed my life. It's changed my life. Yeah, for sure. Everyone that comes across your path, mom, it's changed girls. forever. Yeah. Thank you. And mine Absolutely. too. I feel like I'm the recipient every time we all get together. So mm-hmm. thank you. So if you're interested in those, let us know. Um, we'll connect you with when her next one is. They're affordable. Um, they're amazing. <laughs> and the food's Life even changing. better. Yeah. <laughs> the food is good. It's basically a giant girls night where we just word vomit. It's great. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so it's just been an honor to share my life with you, mom, because I Aww. think that, and it, it's crazy because it's like you, when they had told me in the hospital, like, you know, you're high risk for postpartum, I laughed. Cause I was like, come on. Like my mom you don't is know like my life. wonder woman. Like <laughs> yeah. I know my shit. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to get this. <laughs> this can't so, happen to us. Yeah. I really just bring that up because we're not invincible. Right. You know, we're all still going to experience trauma. We're going to experience things. So I think it's really 
um, important that we talk about it because even the strongest of women can be holding in the darkest of secrets. Right. Mm-hmm. And where this is about all maternal mental health, I think, I mean, who talks about menopause like this? Right. Yeah. Do you find that in your community at all? Oh, boy. That's what most of our TP nights down in the Phoenix area have started to become. We've, you know, we've turned the menopause good uh, amount of, yeah, <laughs> we've got to turn a lot of podcast. attention to some of that. And I think I will end up doing a retreat focused specifically on what it feels like to age. You know, I feel like I was pretty blessed to have a really healthy, strong, vibrant body and in great shape and felt like I could do anything I wanted. And now I'm starting to get older and I'm starting to, for the first time in my life, feel just a couple of limitations. Of course, I handled this Nerf gun fight at your house last (laughs) night pretty good. Like a boss. But, um, you know, there's still times when you realize as you get older that you are human. And then as your emotions start to shift and you start to, you know, notice different things or have your daughter call you and say, hey, mom, you took way too many naps while I was there last weekend. What's going on? You need to get your blood tested. She went Nazi on me. Um, Those things start to cause you to question. And I lost my mom to Alzheimer's. So I'm super, super sensitive to anything changing that I'm not aware of on top of that so our mental health is not just hormonal it's also it should include some of those other ailments that Mm -hmm. can also affect us mentally which also affect us emotionally and having loved ones that go through that can also create that so there's an opportunity for us to be very conscious and very supportive in a lot of arenas so to all the moms out there that have a daughter or a daughter-in-law or a niece directly in their reach that's just had a baby that's not showing signs of postpartum that they don't maybe don't even know anything about postpartum and hopefully they're listening to this somehow magically because they know you because everyone knows you (laughs) (laughs) it's true guys we can't even go to the grocery store careful i'm right here um (laughs) really though um what what would you tell them you know i think it's important that we make up our minds right now that we get to be a part of the solution. And as moms and grandmothers, mother-in-laws, whatever you want to call it, that we are proactive and that we have that conversation before the baby's born mm-hmm. and that we say something like this. I love you. I love your baby that you're carrying. And I love that we have a relationship. I love you so much that I am going to be right here asking hard questions. And I'm going to be watching you like no one has ever watched you before. And I'm gonna watch for sadness. And I'm gonna watch for the signs that I now have educated myself about. So that I know when I see tears in your eyes the same pajamas you wore yesterday, dirty dishes in your sink, that you need me to show up, that you need a nap, and that you need to get help. And I'm here to bring help. I am your angel. And I love you. That's what I will say. I love you, Leslie. I love you too, Mom. I love you, Lindsay. I love you too. (laughs) 
care we're all crying now (laughs) (laughs) i love you mom thank you you're welcome thank you for listening to the rising phoenix podcast if you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba Podcast Studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.